Oh, good morning, Parkhurst. Wonderful to see you all again uh, this morning. I hope that you are surviving uh, the cold front uh, wherever you find yourself. And <clears throat> it's wonderful to have you with us as we continue our journey through the book of Ecclesiastes again this morning. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 9. So once you open up a Bible or turn to it in your phone, Ecclesiastes 9, we're going to be looking at the first uh, 12 verses. And before we dive into them this morning, uh, Chichi is going to be reading them for us. So I'm going to hand over to her. Good morning, Parkhurst. My name is Chichi, and I will be reading today's scripture, which is found in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 1 to 12. Please follow with me. Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice. As it is for good, so also it is for the sinner. As it is for the one who takes an oath, so also for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. But there is hope for everyone, for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. There is no longer a reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their envy have already disappeared, and there is no longer a portion for them in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with pleasure, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and never let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun, all your fleeting days. For that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength, because there is no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in sure where you are going. Again I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or bread to the wise, or riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful, rather, time and chance happen to all of them. For certainly no one knows his time, like fish caught in a cruel net or like birds caught in a trap. So people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. Thank you, Chichi. This passage, as we continue our journey through Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon is repeating some of the themes that we've seen and we've touched on in various weeks and for the sake of ease of us looking at what is what some people have called the most pessimistic passage in all of Ecclesiastes. And so uh, I have uh, mixed news for you uh, this morning, uh, but I think as we, as we look at what God is saying to us here, there are some things that are deeply encouraging and shaping for uh, our souls as we learn uh, to follow God in His wise uh, ways. And I just want to look at uh, two different points this morning. Solomon talks about death 
in this passage and he talks about life. And so very simply, I just want us to have a look uh, firstly what he's saying about death and then what God is wanting us to hear about life. And uh, I'll, spend, I'll spend less on the death, pass, the death part and, and, and more on the life. Uh, for reasons that you'll see as we go through this passage. But some things that Solomon reminds us of here is that death is a certainty. Death is a certainty. This is something that we've said again and again as we've looked into uh, the, the message in the book of Ecclesiastes that uh, Solomon is wanting to drive this home into our minds that, that it's a certainty. It's coming to all of us and no, no amount of ignoring it, no amount of filling our lives with a million other things that distract us and try and fill it with meaning and purpose and, 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 and value and whatever else noise can distract us from that reality that death is a certainty that will happen to us. Somebody famous said there's only two things uh, uh, certain in life and death and taxes. I, I can't remember. It was somebody very famous and I should have actually looked at it. Uh, it just popped into my head now. So, uh, But it's a certainty, just like taxes. And um, that's the first thing Solomon wants to remind us of. And the next thing is that it comes without any, uh, it comes to all without any favor. It comes to all without any favor. Uh, have a look at what he says there. He's gone through this list of different types of people. You know, the righteous and the unrighteous, the, the good and the bad, the, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, those who don't. He's, he's describing almost two groups of people and maybe different categories if you want to dig deeper into it. But this is some of his summary there. He says the same destiny overtakes them all. The same destiny overtakes them all. He says they all are in God's Hands. There's a common fate awaiting each one of us. It doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. And that's Solomon's observation as he's lived life, as he's looked at the world. And this is a sort of a summary. We move into the part of Ecclesiastes where he's starting to give us some summaries and he's wrapping up some of his findings and his wisdom. And he's saying this, this, this fate of death awaits everyone. It doesn't matter how good you are. No one, as it were, gets out alive. There's no favor or disfavor in it. It's a reality of the human condition that we will all die. The th next thing he says is that it's a disruption. It's an, it's an evil. Um, I've called it a disruption. He calls it an evil. If you haven't looked ver uh, in verse 3, it says, uh, This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. And um, there's different ways that guys have interpreted um, that verse. Something, um, something that the evil that he's referring to here is that the same destiny overtakes everyone. That it's almost unfair that some people die and others don't. That good people shouldn't. Um, you know, the wise, the righteous, we should almost be treated differently. And that's the evil. But uh, I think the majority of people would agree that the evil that he's talking about here is death. Death is the evil that happens under the sun. And I want to remind us this morning that death is a disruption. Uh, death is uh, not part of God's ultimate plan. And it's a, it's, a, it's a part, it's a result of the fall. We live now uh, under the curse of death. We die because we've sinned, because we've been born into sin, and we reap the penalty and the punishment of that. But this was not God's original intention. When he created humanity, death is not there, and death will not be there at the end. That's what I want us to remind us of this morning, that death is this um, disruption and it's not, it's not something we need to get used to. Yeah, sure, we need to get used to it now, but I love the fact 
that this is not something that as believers in Jesus, we're going to have to get used to for all eternity. There will come a day where God will draw a line in the sand and he will, be, he will put death to death fully and finally forevermore. And we don't need to get used to uh, going to funerals. Funerals are a, temp a temporary thing that, that we need to get used to going to at the moment. And we're not going to be doing that into eternity, which, um, which just thrills my heart because, well, for, for many, many good reasons. And it should deeply, deeply encourage you. I, if you know me at all, you know I'm not a very formal person. I only ever wear a suit to go to weddings and funerals. And um, I'm delighted that I'm not going to need a suit in heaven. Uh, there'll be no funerals. And I'm, I'm going to ask Jesus if I can come to the wedding supper of the Lamb in my shorts and slops. And I, uh, I think because he loves me, he's going to let me in. Um, and so I'm not going to need a suit in heaven because there's not going to be any need to wear it. But more than that, and more seriously, there's going to be no funerals. There will be no death. God is going to draw a line in the sand. And disruption that we experience of it now will come to an end. Another thing Solomon says is that death often comes as a surprise. Have a look down in verse 12. It says, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. No one knows when their hour will come. And both the certainty of death and the surprising nature of it can, can cause different reactions in different people. Uh, for some people, it can cause us to live in fear. Yeah. Maybe it's today. Or maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it'll be because of this or because of that. And so I should stay away from that or stay away from this. And we can live in fear because we know that death is a certainty and death is a surprise. The scriptures make that, that, that clear. Another way to live is in, in faith and in confidence and, and in trust that, yeah, our days are held in God's hands. We, we don't know when our hour will come, but God knows. And, and he's our good father and he's holding our lives in his hands and we can just live our lives. We can live in trust and in gratitude for every day, every moment, every hour we have been given of life and, and rest and in, and in, in that and enjoy it uh, fully. Let's dive in and have a look at what he says about life. There's more uh, of this that he speaks about here. And the first thing that Solomon points out to us is that, is that life is better than death. Life is better than death. And now you might be thinking, well, I mean, how long, how long would it take you to figure that out? There? And in, you know, in other news, the sky is blue. Um, of course, life is better than death. But have a, look at, have a look at what he says about it and why life is better than death. Uh, from verse 4, he says this, Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing. That's the verses of 4 and 5. So why is life better than death? Well, Solomon says, because when you're alive, you can consider your own death and what awaits you after death. And whilst you're alive, you can make changes to the way that you live in a way that those who are dead can no longer do. Their courses run. Their time is up. They are now dead. They can't make the changes that you can make while you're alive and maybe you're listening to this this morning and you're not maybe a regular at Parkhurst or a regular at any church maybe you just stumbled upon this message and I want to remind you out of God's word this morning that it's a gift to be alive and Solomon points out that the gift of being alive is that you can consider your own life 
and your own mortality and you can think about eternal and significant and weighty things. And you have the ability now to make changes, to respond to God, to enter into relationship with Him now while you're alive because there is coming a time when that will be too late. When you're dead, you can't make those those changes. That's the first thing he says about why it's better to uh, to be alive than to be dead. Um, the second is that, and it's not something we often talk about in the scriptures. He spoke. He speaks about rewards. He says they have no further reward. Those who are dead, and um, a lot of people think that he's referring to you know the way that we live. The scripture makes it abundantly clear that we'll be rewarded for the way that we live. Be rewarded for the way that you. Uh, do things and how much you give away of your life to others. You, we will be rewarded by our Father in heaven. And yet when you're dead, you can no longer add uh, to that reward that you'll get. So while you're alive, live in such a way as you send your rewards on ahead of you to heaven. Your treasure you send in on. Uh, the way you're giving to others of your life and your time and your love and your service, we're sending on reward from our Father ahead of us that we will reap at that day when we see Him again in heaven. And the, the living are able to do that and the dead are not. The next thing he says why it's better is because you get to enjoy life. You get to enjoy life. From verse 7, it's worth reading again. I know Chichi read it, but I'd like to read these verses again. From verse 7, he says, Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Solomon is saying, while you're alive, live. And he gives us some examples of how we're meant to express this life that God has given us and enjoy the gift of it. And he says, feast, eat and drink with a gladness of heart and with a joyful heart, with gratitude. Um, sit down and have a feast. And this is something that I think, particularly for us who are believers in Jesus, I'll talk about this in more detail a bit later. Uh, this is a foreshadowing of what's coming. Feasting is something that we're going to do for all eternity. And when we get to sit, eventually when we get to visit our mates and sit together, we're going to have feasts together. And we're going to eat and drink and pray and laugh and celebrate. And it's a foreshadowing of what God has built for us for all eternity. And he says, while you're alive now, do it now. Do it with the days God has given you. And this is, a, this is a sobering thing for us to consider. In this, you know, this has been um, aired during a lockdown period where we're not allowed to see our mates. We can't have, we're not supposed to, you're not allowed to have your mates over for a brine, for a dinner, and all of that. And, and we miss it. We miss brine and laughing and having a, a meal and drinks with our, with our friends and feasting together, particularly as believers. And uh, I know we're all looking forward to the day when church services open uh, and it'll be wonderful. And I can't wait for us to worship together and enjoy, um, you know, worshiping Jesus in a church setting like that, like under the word, praying, singing. But I also can't wait for us to line up a big old table and have a feast together and eat and drink and laugh and pray and 
you know, foreshadow what we're going to do for all eternity. That's part of what God has given to us as believers. And we get to enjoy it because God is already delighted in us because of who we are in Jesus Christ. That's what he says there. God has already approved what you do. He already approves of you. So go and have a feast. Celebrate. Don't, don't, don't be so stressed about trying to win his approval. You have his approval in Jesus. This is, this is, it looks like it stands alone if you're new to this bit of Ecclesiastes. But all the way through, uh, Solomon's been making uh, this point that God treats the righteous and the unrighteous uh, slightly differently. A lot of things come to them together, but some things are different. And the one thing that God gives the righteous is the ability to enjoy the gifts that he gives. And to not put too much pressure on them, but to receive them from our Father as what they are, as gifts. And we can just enjoy them and, 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 and love them and, and delight in our Father in what He's given us to enjoy. We don't use them inappropriately. We're not putting too much weight and pressure and trying to extract from them what they're never meant to give us. We treat them as gifts from the giver. And God has already approved of us, the righteous, those who are His children. And so He says, go and have a feast. Have a feast and enjoy uh, these things. He says, celebrate and don't mourn. You know, get dressed in white robes and make sure your oil's got oil on your head. I, I know this doesn't really translate to our days, but back then, uh, there's a contrast here between mourning and, and, and celebrating. You, you, when, you, when you were mourning, it was sackcloth and ashes and, and you had an outward appearance that you were going through mourning. And yet when you wore white robes and your head was oiled, um, you're in good nick, as it were. You had a reason to celebrate. You were off to a celebration. You were doing well. And he says, with, the impending, you, with your impending death firmly in front of your eyes, put on a white robe and make sure your head is oiled because you know where you're going. You know where you're going. You know it's going to happen. But don't spend the rest of your day as God has given you now, moping around thinking, oh gosh, you know, like an Eeyore. Uh, my kids love a Winnie the Pooh, Christopher Robin, and we watched we watched the movie the other day, and I fell asleep. Um, but the one part I remember of it was Eeyore. Um, and the, the books don't really translate for me. The movie was brilliant. Just how miserable old Eeyore was. Oh, what a miserable old donkey. And I think some people live like that. It's like, I'm going to die anyway. Ooh. It's like, God says, yeah, you are, you are. Get your head and your heart around it. And all the days God gives you until then, get your white robe on, oil your head, and live and celebrate. Don't be mourning uh, what's coming. He says you should love your family. I've taken a bit of liberty here. Solomon says, hey, husbands, love your wife. You know, love your wife. Enjoy your wife who you love. And if you're sitting next to your, your husband or wife, just shoot them a quick look and Maybe tell them you're going to debrief this passage a bit later. You know, maybe lockdown has put a bit of strain on that. And it's a gift to you to um, spend some time talking about the state of your marriage. But I think you can expand that. It's not just a husband-wife. Love your family today. While you're alive, now's the time to love your family. Parents, today is the day. Right as you finish listening to this, go pick up those children. Love them. Hug them. Kiss them if you've got them. They're a gift. Many people long to be married. Many people long for children. If you have them, they're a gift from God. They're on loan to you. Celebrate them and enjoy them every single second God has given them to you. Uh, that's part of what it means to, uh, that life is better than death. We get to live life. He says work hard. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever you're filling your days with, 
Do it with all your heart. Get in. Lean into it. Love it. See it as a gift that God has given you something that you can do. Your hand is found to do it. Now do it with all your might because he says there's a time coming when you won't be able to do that. You won't be able to do it. So while you're alive, go for it. Make a splash. Enjoy your work. Enjoy your family. Feast together. Don't walk around with a hangdog look that you know you're going to die. Celebrate every day God has given and live with a sense of wonder. A sense of wonder in the small things of life. I have to confess to you that this has been a stretching thing for me. I've read multiple books since the tail end of last year. And one of them was called Recapturing the Wonder. And really, the book, I think it was by, by a guy called Mike Cosper. And uh, friends, it spoke a lot about how uh, we need to redeem the beauty of every single day and every interaction, every meal. Um, flowers and birds and trees and work and friends and uh, hugs and reading and noises and just you know walk around with wide-eyed wonder and if you know me well you know that this is not really me i'm not the glass half full kind of person but god is slowly allowing me to make progress in this to treat every day as a gift and to walk around with eyes of wonder open thank you god that you've given me today thank you god that i'm able to stand here and that you're able to listen and i'm able to Share God's word with you and share what is in it and encourage you in it. It's a, it's a gift to be able to, to do this. And, and I want to encourage you that we, we live like this. We live with awe and wonder in every little thing that God gives us. And we eyes wide open to see the beauty and the grandeur and the glory of God and His fingerprints all over your own life and all over His creation. This is some of what I've been speaking about this morning. Um, could be taken to sound like a humanistic pep talk. Um, death, death is certain. Um, so go and live life and enjoy it. Uh, because this is all there is. Um, you know, they're going to put you in the ground one day. So while you're here, eat, drink and be merry. Because tomorrow we die. Uh, and you know, here endeth the message. And what would make what we're talking about this morning a uniquely... Uh, gospel message and uniquely Christian message and I think part of the is this that the gospel flips everything the gospel asks us to consider death and how we then live in the light of death because we know that after death we will be with God we will be in his presence then in the new heavens and the new earth everything recreated and the gospel call to us is to make changes now in the light of where we are going not only that, but to make sure that our relationship with God is alive. And again, as I said earlier, if you haven't yet gone, uh, come into a relationship with God, I want to encourage you and invite you to respond to what God is doing in your life now. Maybe you're awash with fear and anxiety or overwhelmed or, 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 or life is crumbling all around you. God is trying to get your attention and draw you into a relationship with himself. That's what he longs to do. And I would encourage you to respond to what he is doing as christians as i said earlier we also live here with a foretaste of what's coming everything that we do here is a is a shadow of of what we're going to do with god the 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 feasting the the, the wearing clothes the robes of celebration the loving the worshiping every time we do something like that here it's just a foretaste of our eternal future and our true home our true home everything we do now as lacquer as it is it doesn't touch how lacquer it's going to be when we're in our true home with God doing it 
for all eternity. So I want to encourage you um, this morning. Death is certain. It's coming. It'll surprise us. And yet God has given us this unique gift called life. And it's life that's in the Son. It's in Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it abundantly clear to us that our life is in Him. And those of us who, who follow Him, those of us who are believers in Jesus, we have a different perspective on the world. God has enabled us and by the grace of His Spirit to open up our eyes to see the world as it is. We see that this is a temporary age and the eternal age is, the, is, is, the true, um, is, the, is our true home. It's not that this is unimportant, but this is, this is preparing us for all eternity. God is obviously with us now. His kingdom is at work. He's doing a wonderful thing now, but our true home is with Him. And yet every day He's given us now is a gift to be embraced and enjoyed and have all the life, as it were, sucked out of it. And so I want to encourage you uh, to lean into that and let's live with gratitude and thanks to God for every single second that He's given us. Let me pray for us before we continue. Father, I thank you for the wisdom of your word that week by week in Ecclesiastes is challenging us and causing us to confront things that we may not normally speak of. And again this morning as we consider the certainty and the reality of our own mortality, of our own death, we pray that that would shake us that it would awaken us to um, true and real things and cause us to make changes now in the light of the fact that we don't have never-ending days on earth. And there's things that you're calling us um, to do, there's things that you've given us to do um, now that we can fully embrace and lean into and cooperate with you in what you're wanting um, to do in our lives and through us. And I pray that you would just give us grace uh, as a church, as followers of Jesus, uh, to live life fully in the power of the Spirit, that we would feast on your goodness, that we would love our families, that we would work with a sense of gratitude and joy at the gift that it is. We would be fully citizens of earth, but we'd have an eye on heaven where, we are, where our true citizenship lies and you would give us an ongoing longing to be with you in our true home when you re recreate everything and you finally and fully put an end to death. Thank you for your grace on us. Pray for anyone who's questioning these things and feels you stirring in their heart this morning, drawing um, them to you, that you'd give them grace to respond in simple childlike faith and obedience and put their trust in you and have their life transformed by the forgiveness of Jesus and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And ask this for our good and your glory in Jesus' name.